everyone and welcome to the year was the podcast all about today that gives you just enough information to effectively be that guy at the party causing all your friends to question hey who invited you like seriously why are you here i'm your host michael montalvo for the next few minutes we will swim through the river of time to find out what makes it a truly unique on this episode we examine the events that occurred july 22nd greetings my friend we are all interested in the future for that is where you and i are going to spend the rest of our lives and remember my friend future events such as these will affect you in the future you are interested in the unknown the mysterious the unexplainable that is why you are here And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. The year was 1959, and on this day, July 22nd, it is with these iconic words from Criswell, the one and only Plan 9 from Outer Space was introduced to the world. Okay, so it's not the full story, more of a cliff notes. Often called the Citizen Kane of Bad Movies, Plan 9 is, well, it's different. Its plot was nothing uncommon for the time, an alien invasion, something like Invasion of the Body Snatchers or The Blob, and it's really hard to pin down what makes this movie so bad that it's good. It's really a lot like The Room in that it's one of those films that just really needs to be experienced. So before we talk about the movie, let's get a little bit of insight about the plot. Originally titled Grave Robbers from Outer Space, the film begins as Bella Lugosi mourns his wife Vampira as a plane flying overhead is blinded by a flash of light from a flying saucer. The saucer lands in the cemetery and Lugosi's wife comes back to life looking a bit vampirish and kills two grave diggers. Sometime later, as Lugosi mourns his wife, he goes out for a walk and is hit and killed by a car. We then witness his funeral and the end of Bela Lugosi's time in the movie. At his funeral, the bodies of the grave diggers are discovered and the cops are called and two deputies and Inspector Clay, here played by Tor Johnson, arrive. If you watch the movie, pay close attention to their guns because they must have missed firearm training. At his nearby home, close to the cemetery, Jeff, a pilot, and his wife talk about seeing the UFO despite being some distance from Roswell. Pause for laughter. Then, out of nowhere, Wind knocks everyone down, and Vampira and Bella Lugosi kill Inspector Clay. Only, it's not Bella Lugosi. In real life, Lugosi had died, and so replacement chiropractor Tom Mason was found to finish the shoot, despite hardly resembling the man at all. The aliens begin attacking, and the military goes to fight them. You heard me right. Aliens. Did you forget they were in this? We finally learn of their plan to destroy humanity by raising the dead so we don't create powerful weapons like the hydrogen bomb. If someone wants to explain that logic, I'm all ears. The alien ruler meets the resurrected humans, a whopping three of them, and after approving the plan to continue, orders everyone back to California. In California, Jeff and his wife are interviewed by the police and military, but Lugosi attacks the group and is somehow shot by a ray gun and decomposes. 
Determined to figure out what just happened, they rush to the cemetery. They see the flying saucer in the distance, and Jeff, Colonel Edwards, and Lieutenant Harper all go to fight the alien menace. They are let into the spacecraft with weapons for some reason, and then the alien leader begins to complain about how humans are close to discovering solaronite, which, when harnessed, can cause the sunlight molecules to explode, which in turn could destroy the whole universe, obviously. So since we can't have that, the only course of action is to destroy humanity. Sound logic. Jeff and the alien leader fight, and a fire breaks out on the UFO. The leader is knocked out, and the three humans escape, but at what cost? The flying saucer takes off and explodes in the air. Vampira and Clay turn to dust, as if snapped by Thanos, and everyone lives happily ever after. So with a story like that, how did this get made? It was the fourth feature film by director Edward D. Wood Jr. who will get his own episode in time. Plan 9 was funded in part by J. Edward Reynolds, who was a devout Southern Baptist. And it was actually Reynolds who necessitated the changing of the title from Grave Robbers to Plan 9 as he found it offensive. What's interesting really is that famously Bela Lugosi died during its production, actually before the film was really even conceived. Before his death in 1956, he and Ed Wood shot some footage, and when the time came to make the film, the script was written around it. And what a script it was. It was apparently so bad that upon reading it, and seeing what lines the role would require her to say, Vampira, known in real life as Myola Nermi, asked to perform the role mute because she thought the dialogue was just terrible. And it didn't stop at dialogue. Acting was flat. The makeup scars moved around. Tombstones meant to be made of stone wobbled and fell like the styrofoam and cardboard they were. And the backdrop can clearly be seen to be fabric on more than one occasion. Time jumps, sometimes in scenes where it is day and then it's night and then back to day. Flying saucers were nothing more than toys, and the mishandling of weapons was apparently done to see if the director would notice, which he obviously did not. But the thing about all of that is that it comes together perfectly and really adds to the charm of the whole film. The thing about this movie and its title was that it came about during the golden age of B-movies, the ones that you would stay up late at night to watch or find on MST3K or Rift Tracks. And as serious as the movie tries to take itself sometimes, I don't think it ever really takes itself that seriously. For me, it's kind of like the Baywatch movie where it knows exactly what it is and tries to have fun with it. And that's not to say that they didn't take the making of the movie seriously. It would never have been made if that were the case. It just appears to be more of a case of a group of friends having fun making a film. And there's really nothing wrong with that, and perhaps that's why the legacy of it lives on. There have been remakes, re-releases, documentaries, and of course the film Ed Wood by Tim Burton, which does its part to chronicle the life of the director and the making of this film. So what do you think about it? Have you seen the movie or any of the films that happened as a result of it? I'm curious about your thoughts. Let me know down below. Oh, and yes, I do know that it was previewed on March 15, 1957, but the film was not released officially until 1959. 
That's going to do it for us today. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, give us a rate and a review. That helps me out and helps steer this in a direction that is hopefully good for all. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can find the audio version on your podcast app of choice. You can find me on social media and at YouTube at the Apple Cider Club. And as always, I want to thank the Kim Kreitz Band for our musical theme. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. 